Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. This is episode 2962. Today is September 27th, 2021. Uh, I am otherwise engaged today. So you're not getting a rewind, but you are getting a repurposing of content. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was asked to do an episode of Miyagi Mornings on understanding who you've become and what you are and why you have issues maybe in dealing with certain things and why you think the way you do after military service. And I know that a huge portion of this audience is actively engaged in military service. A huge portion of this audience has had military service in their past. Some, like me, three years, some six years, some eight, some 20, some upwards of 30 years. It's all over the map. And then there's a huge portion of this audience Never served in the military or, or anything like that. And so you might think if that's you, that this show won't be helpful to you. I think this will be helpful to anybody. And the reason is, while only about uh, 1% to 2% of people in the whole country ever serve in the military, that's how low the number is, that's still a lot of people, and almost everybody knows somebody or wills know somebody during your life that you care about that's gone through military service. And that means that you're going to witness a lot of this and maybe don't, not understand it. And the most important thing that I think we can all be is understood. And I think this will be a good lifestyle planning and psychological lesson for everybody in this audience. And I would say in this audience, even with the low number of military personnel in the country total, countrywide, I think we have not only a higher, much higher number of people in the audience who have had military service, we have a much higher number of people in the audience who interact with people who've had military service. They have brothers, cousins, uncles, etc. Like the demographic that skews toward preparedness generally skews from families, groups, neighborhoods, etc. where military service is high. Maybe someday we'll explore why that's the case. I'm not really sure, but it just seems that way to me. When I... When I talk to people in the past, if military service came up, and if I were to pull an audience and say, you know, how many people in this audience, general business audience, served in the military, you know, maybe, especially a business audience, high-performing business audience, maybe 10% of hands go up. How many people here know somebody that's in the military that's in your family that you interact with? Like, you know, maybe 20%. I, I bet if I did that with a, a group of people from here, it'd be, you know, north of 80% or more. And so I think this will be beneficial. It was actually, what came out of it was never what I intended. It ended up going 40 minutes long. And Miyagi mornings generally run 20 to 30 minutes. And when I did this one, I knew it was something different. And I knew that it needed to, when it went out on the podcast, it needed to be showcased as a standalone. Again, it wasn't planned that way, but it just worked out that way. I knew in the next couple months I had some times where I would have to have filler content, so that's why I did that. Anyway, here we go. I'm just going to play the video as it went, as it happened. Um, the only thing I'm going to cut out is kind of the, the pre-intro where I'm waiting for people to come on to a live stream. and So it'll roll right through to the end, and you'll hear in the end of this one, it'll be a little bit different. There'll be no music or anything. What you'll hear is me say, that's... I'm gonna I'm gonna break off, guys. That's all I've got. That's all I got in me today, and it ends. And I didn't want to take that away, and I didn't want to mitigate it. 
I didn't want to put another ending on it, like an additional ending, like, hey, you know, hope you enjoyed today's show, all, all that promotional stuff. I wanted it to end that way because it was real. And so I want to kind of throw out, you know, I know the word is, has come to mean people hiding in, in, in safe space closets with puppies and stuff. But I want to throw out a little bit of a trigger warning here for those of you that are in the military or especially those of you who have been out of the military for a long period of time. This is not about military service today. This is about after service. And doing this episode messed with me for a good week. Because I was reliving so many things over almost 30 years of my life that times I was hard on people, times I made mistakes with people, times I did things that were not in my best interest or not in the best interest of people around me. And at the time that they occurred, I did not have any idea that the way I was thinking due to having been a soldier in the past was playing a role in my decisions in the present. And some of these things happen 10, 15 years. You know, so I was in the military for three years, and this is three times the length of time I spent in the military after the military, and it's still affecting you. And I didn't, and I learned it over the years, but I didn't actually come to the full understanding until I did this episode. So I'm going to tell you, if you're in a really good place, maybe this isn't, and you do have military service, and you've been out a while, maybe this isn't the episode for you. Um, on the other hand, I think once I processed it, I'm in a better place than before, right? So it's a matter of when you're ready for it. And so this isn't about you know PTSD from battle. It's not about that. What it's about is the way that we, as a, as a human being, we become programmable. And the way that we are programmed when we are trained, not taught as soldiers... And how deep that programming goes, and mainly because it happens to us when we're 17 to 22 years of age. That's when people go through their basic and their AIT, the most people. I did have some people in my basic training unit that were almost 30 years old. And they, were, they probably had a different way they, they had that input come in, that input programming. When you are that young, when you are that young, especially men, men we develop our prefrontal cortex a little slower than females do. The, the ability to program a young man, 18, 19, 20 years of age, into a completely different mindset over a two or three month period is phenomenal what can be done. And then that programming, until it's overwritten by new programming, it has to be not just done away with, not just, oh, I don't have to do this anymore, not just, I don't have to listen to these people anymore. There are things in there that have literally been written into your brain like programming an Android. It is that it is that significant. And it takes a long time to drift from that programming. If you don't actually overwrite it, that underlying programming is still there. You might have more updated programming because you're always programming your mind. Every day you see a new thing, you experience a new thing, you feel a new thing, you're taking that new thing into yourself and you're making it part of who you are. But just like a computer, if you have old programming in it, until you actually delete it, which you can't do with the human brain, you know, without some kind of severe thing that possibly messes you up and makes you drool in a cup for the rest of your life, like electrotherapy, you can't actually delete a memory in the human brain. You have to overwrite the programming. And it's very difficult to do, even if you know you're trying to do it. And if you don't know you're trying to do it, it's, it's all but impossible. So there are things that almost every person has done in their life after military service that makes you question whether you should even do it in the first place. And 
I have mixed emotions about that. You'll hear that in this segment or this this episode today where I talk about how like all these things make me wish I didn't do it. But on the other hand, I think it saved my life because of the place I was in when I joined. And I think there's so many wonderful things I have in my life because of it. So it's a very, you know, bittersweet thing, I think, as we look back. And I'm reminded of the words of Richard Bach that I shared with you recently in a podcast. I've gave my life to become the person that I am today. Was it worth it? And that's that's true of every human being. That's one of the most deep quotes I've ever heard anybody make, ever. If you really think about what it means and how it is, it is something you can't escape. You can be 15 years old, you can be 50 years old, you can be 75 years old. And at any moment, any snapshot in time, everything that you are, everything that you've done, good and bad in your life, leading to the now, the current now, that only can become more now. You gave everything you have, everything you are, prior to this moment, to be in this moment and be the person you are in this moment with every bit of legacy behind you, good and bad. Was it worth it? You've spent precious life force. And when I did this episode, I realized how many things that even though my life worked out really good on paper and really good in, in the world, like I'm a happy man overall. There's so many things I wish I did differently. And then realizing, oh, that's why I did that thing. And why didn't somebody tell me this when I was 22 years old, freshly out of the military, and thought, I'm bulletproof again, and like I'm, I'm back to being Jack on the outside, and I, I don't need to worry about this anymore, and this doesn't affect my life anymore. This is something I did, not something I am. You'll never not be a soldier, a sailor, an airman, or a marine. You'll never not be that. Just like you'll never not be the fifth grade kid that was scared to ride on a chalkboard when they were called up. Or the fifth grade kid that wasn't afraid to ride on Like, whoever you were, you, you're still whoever you were. That's who you are. You're still whoever you were. Plus, you are everything you've become since. But nothing programs you like military training. I'm, I'm convinced nothing programs you like military training. Or nothing programs you where you have so many people who have been programmed like I'm sure there's other things that can do it but you know it's very small small numbers of people maybe would go through something like that where the military does it in mass it's mass production mental rewiring and mental programming so I just want to be clear that you, some of you who are like yeah I did that back in the day and whatever like this episode will seriously have you reliving parts of your life and saying to yourself damn it why didn't I know? Why didn't I know? And I don't declare that this is like the definitive thing that everybody should hear when they get out, but I think it would be helpful. And I just wanted to kind of come on board with that. Anyway, here we go. Hope you guys enjoy this one. And if you have people in your life that have served, this would be a good one to share with them uh, and let them know. Don't skip the beginning. Listen to the warning. Make sure you're ready to, to kind of deal with this reality. And today we're going to talk about Coming back to the civilian world uh, after military service. And I want to just start out of the gate with telling you what the person who asked me to talk about this today said verbatim. So I'm going to read. I usually don't read. I usually go no script. But I'm, I'm going to read this because it's important that you understand more 
this person was coming from. His name was Christopher. And on MeWe, on the post that we have for Miyagi Mornings for suggestions for topics, he said, could you do more on military mindset like you did in Miyagi Mornings episode 131? I learned more about myself and why I am the way I am after the Marine Corps than a lot of therapists could tell me. I'd just like to hear more stuff on dealing with transitioning into civilian life, military mindset, and why we think the way we do. Anything to help understand myself like you did in that episode that made me cry while I was cutting my grass. Because after years of frustration, I was finally able to come to terms with stuff that I've been living and struggling with. Um, and that episode, I don't want to rehash it today. I want to go on to the next thing, right? The next part of this. So again, it was once one, uh, 131. And I have a link in the video notes after this, if you want to know more about where this came from. Uh, and I, I went deep into just for a frame of reference for those that didn't hear it, that are listening to this. Some of the things like the dark humor that soldiers and Marines, and I, I'm not putting down Navy or Air Force, but there is a commonality between Marines and, and soldiers. And that is, I don't care what you go in the Marine Corps or the Army to do. You're trained as a rifleman. You're trained as a soldier. You're trained to actually deal with combat situations. And even if you don't, there's an understanding in your head that if I'm deployed somewhere, I'm probably going to be in danger. I'm probably going to be at risk of having to use those skills. And that's something that is a piece of what we're going to talk about today. But what I also said in that episode was that sometimes civilians will hear us say things, especially like, because that episode was about potential for um, violent conflict in the United States between the civilians and the government and arm resistance and things like that. And I said, you know, a lot of times, especially on social media, you'll see soldiers, Marines, et cetera, saying shit to each other. It's really dark, and it's almost like we don't even give a damn, and that's not the case. You can go listen to that, but what I what I want you to get out of that is it's not for you. And I don't mean that in any arrogant or egotistical way. I mean, if you haven't been there, you can't understand what we mean when we do it. You can't understand that it's a coping mechanism. And what even if we tell you that and you intellectually understand, you can't understand it. And it's okay that you don't understand it, but... You should not think that any of us are cavalier about something like that happening. But today we're talking about something totally different. We're talking about just person serves. They go off, they go through training. And we have to come at this from the very beginning with understanding what that training is. And it actually fits very well with the subject we talked about last week. It is programming the mind. So we talked about last week how everything in the media everything on the Internet, everything that's done from the time you're in school all through your life until you, you can't pay attention anymore because your mind is gone or you're dead, is designed to program you and how that creates fear and control within a society. And the only solution that you have is to reprogram, to overwrite that programming if you're going to not act on it. When you go in the military, instead of having this kind of remote programming, it's like somebody sticks a USB cord into your brain and for several months directly programs your mind. And then for however long you serve, you have a continuous reinforcement of that programming. And I'm not here today to judge the good or the bad in that. Okay. Um, there's a reason for it. 
And the reason is if you don't act on your training when you need to act on your training, you and other people can die. Now, whether it's good or bad is not where I'm at. I'm trying to help the people that have been through it, trying to readjust to their lives today. And I'm trying to help the people that care about them, understand them enough to know when to help and when to just shut your mouth and leave them alone. Because a lot of times guys are going through some things. And I have an article I wrote about that that was published at ITS Tactical that I have a link in the video notes for you as well that you can read. And I wrote that article as much so that people could understand themselves as soldiers, Marines, et cetera, and so that the loved ones could understand them. And so that's just where we are. And another thing that I did in the past on TSP that, that fits in this, even though it might seem on the surface that it doesn't, was a show that I did about bullying. And I brought on a counselor to talk about bullying in high schools. And I had some people really mad at me. They were really pissed off at me because we didn't give a solution to the problem. And that's what we're supposed to be as a solutions-oriented podcast. And when they say I didn't give a solution to the problem, what they meant was we didn't talk about how to make bullying not happen in high schools anymore. That's because we don't have an answer. What we talked about, and most of the people who reached out to me that were upset about that got it when I explained it. We talked about helping the kid get through the experience. It doesn't matter whether the experience is bad or not. It matters that it is. And that the one thing you can do is you can help the individual. So that's how I'm coming at this today. So I'm just going to tell you what I've learned about myself in almost 30 years after separation now. And I'll say something here at the beginning that might trigger some people and piss some people off. And maybe you'll understand by the time I get to the end what I'm talking about. I've been around guys that spent three, six, nine years, 20 years. The 20-year guys, I don't feel this way about as much as I do. The guys that did six or less. If I had, like, let's say my grandson was older than he is. Let's say especially he's like 14, 15, 16 years old. I don't want him around a group of guys that are one or two years out of service that have been in about six years. Because his mind is entering the state that your mind enters when you go in. That's why they want you to join at 17, 18, 19, 20, especially men. Our prefrontal cortex is not fully developed, and we are ripe for programming. And when people separate at that point, they still act like they're surrounded by people that understand what's going on, using that dark humor, the verbiage they use, the way they discuss things. And I don't want, and, and, and I don't mean anything again, and I don't mean an individual. I don't mean an individual. I, I don't, I would not want a group of like four guys working on a construction project that were all, you know, four months out of service and did about five to six years each and a, and a group of 15 year olds in there. And it's not anything judging the individual. It's what's going to come out. Because what's happened is those, this is why we should have veterans retreats. We just shouldn't have them run by 15 year olds. Those guys have been in this civilian world and they're going to get around their brothers and their sisters and they're going to dump. And this is really true. And again, nothing against Air Force or uh, Navy here, but this is really true. Soldiers and Marines. And you guys that served, a lot of you I see answering in the comments stream, you know what I mean. And, and the people that are probably most offended by this are the ones that didn't serve. Right. And, and I'll say one more thing before I get into the 10 things I've learned about myself. And, and, and many of you probably are dealing with is please don't speak for us. Those of you who didn't serve that want to talk about being offended. I don't care what it is. I don't care if some clown kneeling at a freaking uh, football game. I don't care what it is. If you didn't serve, do not speak for soldiers, Marines, airmen, sailors, etc. as to how offensive it is to us that somebody does or says a thing. We don't need you to speak to us. Speak for us. 
The only people that need to be spoken for are the dead. If we're still here, we'll handle it. We'll speak for ourselves. We have no trouble doing so. All right. Uh, getting into it. One thing you will find, and this isn't even true of people. Like if I showed you my office right now, it's completely cluttered. You still will have a contempt for disorder whenever you feel that order matters for the rest of your life after you get out of the military. To the point of when I make coffee in a French press and I rinse the French press out, I hang the thing on the side so that it's not inside the container and so it doesn't touch the tabletop. And I set it down until I'm ready to put coffee in it and, and, and do that. And my wife, God bless her, she washes it and sticks it inside and there's nothing wrong with what she does. Every time I see it, it's just little right there and, it, and it's nobody's procedure but my own. And what happens is you, your life becomes so based on procedure. If there's a thing that's done regularly, it doesn't have a procedure, you develop a procedure for it. And then even if nobody knows, you kind of expect that people will follow it. This is not a normal way to behave. And this will be in you and it will affect you. And you will find yourself angry and dissatisfied with people and being unreasonable with people. And you won't even know why. And that's a big part of a lot of this. You won't recognize this happening. People that think they have no problems, they're not the person with PTSD, at least that they're aware of. They're not the person that, that, that's crawling into a bottle every night. They're not the person that's not got a job, right? They don't know why they have trouble integrating and dealing with groups and other people. They have no idea. You don't know you have this problem. And if nobody tells you about it, that's what I'm trying to do today, you tend to not know you have the problem until you actually have begun to deal with the problem. So that's what I'm saying, like, I wouldn't have a problem putting my 15-year-olds with a group of guys that were retired master sergeants because they've leveled through it while they're in. The people that I find have the hardest time generally are your short mid-timers, and then your long-timers have the problem too, but in a different way, and, and I'll let you figure it out for yourself, okay? Um, number two, people will never actually understand you unless they were brothers and sisters that also served. A counselor who's never served is probably useless. I'm not saying not to get help, not to get counseling, whatever. I'm saying that it would be much better to find someone who's a counselor that served. And when I say served, I don't mean they had a rank. I mean somebody that lived the life. And so if you're talking to somebody maybe that was, that, you know, is appointed as a captain due to their degree and never deployed anywhere, never lived in the barracks, never went through and I'm not even talking about combat here. I'm just talking about life as a soldier or a Marine where you at, and I'm not talking about basic training or whatever. I'm talking about like year or more of being with your brothers and sisters every day, living in the same place, showering in the same place. Like I don't think that a counselor can really address these things I'm talking about today if they haven't been there. And you need to be at peace with the fact that most people will never understand you. Don't try to make them understand you. That will make you miserable and it will make them miserable. Just accept that sometimes that like the things you want, they're not reasonable outside of service. They're really not. No matter how much you believe it is, that's not how the world works. And you need to try to remember who you were before you went. Like all these like, like you know, like lollygagging and stuff like that. Like that's how the world works and it's okay. Number three, um, the world you're in now, in that same vein, works on jobs and tasks and ideas and things that maybe we'll do. It doesn't work on missions. 
when you're in the military, I don't care if it's something boring like, hey, that truck over there has a bad starter and you're a mechanic, go replace the starter. That's not a task. That's a mission. If you don't get it done, you could go on alert that night and that vehicle can't run because you didn't get your mission done and it could cost somebody's life. That's why we worry about shit like a freaking thread in a magazine pouch. Because it's always a mission. Even when it's not defined as a mission, it's always a mission. When you get up in the morning and go to work in the military, you're performing a mission. And that means you're going to care. And that's number four. No one will care as much as you about the things that need to be done. They might even do a good job. But they'll find it much easier. Five o'clock, whistle blows, gone. Don't care anymore. Not my problem. That's normal. I'm paid for my time. You know, I'm not on salary. I'm not getting overtime. Whistle blue. I'm going home. You just live for three, six, nine, 12, 20, 25, 30 years of your life where that just didn't apply. You're now in a place where it applies. And it's okay. It's okay that they don't care as much as you. They're not going to. And I found myself, especially when I was young, and I wasn't even aware this was going on. I thought, I really believed, like when I was running underground construction crews, and I was like 25 years old, 24 years old, that my predisposition to, we must get this done, we must do this, and I'm worried about the bottom line of the company that pays me by the hour, I really thought that was just a personality trait. But that's just who Jack was. It wasn't. The, the programming of the mind to this thing, you've been given a directive. The directive, therefore, is a mission. The mission is charged by an order. It happens. Whatever you do, it happens. And then there's always a contingency. If the mission cannot occur, what can occur? How close can we get or what do we switch to? And that, that comes out in you as a person is caring about the thing. So with a job or whatever, and it could be in your household, too, by the way, which will really make you miserable if you don't learn compromise. Because have you noticed in the military, there's no such thing as compromise. Somebody's in charge and whoever's in charge. Generally, there's a rank structure, but there's also like, you know, there might be two or three buck sergeants in a group and one technically a senior. But the one that stands up and takes charge is in charge. So since no one stands up and takes charge, but you, you get frustrated, even if you were nothing other than a private in your term. Right. Like, well, I'm the one taking charge. Why aren't we getting this done? And why why don't we all care that we know, okay, today, this thing, even though it's a mission, it can't be accomplished. It just can't. Well, then we're going to do something else. Then there's a contingency. No one's going to get that. You're going to even meet some guys in the that were in the military that you expect to get it. They're not going to get it because we all know that not all soldiers are equal in this. So you have to let that go. That doesn't mean you should stop caring. It just means you should position yourself so that that becomes your asset versus your liability. If you're trying to drag everybody with you in that, people will hate you. People will not understand you. They'll call you company man or whatever at the at best. But if you just charge forward with getting things done and accept that, no, you know what, I'm going to lead Sooner or later, somebody will follow. But I'm not going to worry about those who don't follow right now. You'll be a lot happier and you'll go a lot further. Um, five, 
you may never eat or drink like a normal person ever again. A lot of jokes get made about this, but it's a real thing. My wife gets mad at me because when I cook dinner, I'm like, okay, get yours. She's like, you get yours first. I always eat. I'm like, no, you have to get yours first. And if part of that is you're just trained as a leader, you feed your people, then you eat. But the other part of that is how those of you comment in the, in the comment stream, how fast do you eat compared to a normal person? Like if you don't really sit down and think today, I'm going to go slow. Your food is gone. Your drink is gone. In airborne school, we would come out with two canteens before we ran. And we'd put them all in formation. Dress right, dress, right? Pick up canteen number one. Drain it. It's not a request. It's an order. Freaking 16 ounces. Boom. Down. Everybody there can chug it. Like, if you can't, you will be able to by the time it's over with, Right? Straight down, like like there's a like you're funneling a beer in college. That that's a, a, you know a pint of water gone. And then what happens next? You run five miles, six miles, whatever it is that day. You come back to formation. You're spacing that formation, and that other canteen's there. Pick it up and drain it because they have to condition you to hydrate that way. You go into when you go to basic, you sit down, you eat. That's the food you're getting for the next six freaking hours. If it's on your tray, you can eat it. If it's not on your tray, you can't. And if you happen to be at the end of the line when they say, let's go, you know, so you eat it. Now, here's the big problem with this. Not only does it create social problems, right? Like you sit down at dinner with people and you're done and nobody else, you feel like nobody even started. This can be detrimental to your weight and to your health, both from a food and a, a drink, a specifically alcohol. Uh, situation. So not everybody that ends up with alcohol problems is an alcoholic in the classic sense. You can be a habitual drinker. But when you start drinking mixed drinks and you're drinking them like you're thirsty, that can be a problem. So you need to identify this and just accept it. And like you make simple adjustments. Like I just make sure everybody gets their food first. That way, when I sit down and eat, they've had a head start and we might have some sort of semblance together. And I, you know, you focus on it, you try to control it, but in the end, you're going to find yourself defaulting to your trading, and this is training. Next, um, at times you're going to be lonely. Everybody is from time to time. Like being no lonely is a thing. You can be surrounded by people and feel alone. Everybody feels that way. You're going to feel it differently. You're going to feel it differently, and what you have to understand is that it's like somebody you loved died because you had a lifestyle that still exists for others, but for you, it's dead. You're never going to wake up at 0500, fall out and run with a bunch of hungover, drunk from the weekend soldiers again, and you can smell the alcohol reeking off their body and no one gives two shits. That's never going to, now you don't want to do it, but it is part of who and what you were. It is part of your old life and it is dead. And so you're going to feel it differently. And it's okay. The big thing, the big takeaway in that is it's okay. Don't think you need to make it not happen ever again. Don't feel that you're wrong for feeling that way. Don't feel like it's really holding you back. Everybody has to process loneliness. Everybody that ever lost, lost a father, a, a wife, a brother to death 
has to deal with that times. No matter how many other people are around you, this thing is gone. This person is gone. This way of life is gone. And there's a hole there. And again, if you have deep problems and you need to seek guidance, do so. But don't judge yourself because you feel lonely. And this is the, this is another one of those things. You can feel this way and not know why. You have to understand that the guy that's been out of the army for six years, did three, four years, doesn't think about it every day anymore. You know, unless there's some kind of like ingrained combat memory, like we're talking about a different level here. I'm talking about just general separation. Like you don't really judge your life based on this anymore. You think I'm, I've moved past that. Right. Especially when you get to the number of years you've been out exceeds the number of years you were in. You don't even think about this problem could be because. So you have this, you know, moment of loneliness. And you don't know why you miss a thing, but you can't identify the thing. And a lot of these things I'm telling you, you you learn this 10, 20 years down the road. And I'm trying to shortcut it for some people. Just identify it in yourself so you can choose how you. I'm not telling you what to do or how to process it. But I'm telling you, don't judge yourself for that. Because in the military, right, if it ain't, if, if, if the legs hurt but it ain't broke, get up and move. And even if it's broke, you might, if someone's shooting at you, get up and move. Like, you put off pain. I mean, how many people here lived on vitamin M and know what I'm talking about? You know, you go to you go to the medic and you're like, yeah, I got pain. And they hand you a bottle the size of a freaking, you know, giant freaking like a like a uh, Schlitz malt liquor bull can sized jar of 800 milligram Motrin. Suck it up. Drive on. So that's in you. And then there's this pain of being separated that you can't identify. And then there's a judgment to yourself that I should not. This is not right for me to feel this way. I'm not a man if I feel this way. Bullshit. You wouldn't say that about your best friend whose wife just died. I'm not saying it's the same, but it's similar. It's a piece of your life that's gone. And at times, and think about it this way, you have people that lost somebody in their life they really cared about to death. They go 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, whatever it is, and they seem fine. And then one day at one moment, it hits. You just have another thing that can hit. It's okay. Seven, if you saw pain, misery, poverty in the world in a way that most people will never see. You will never unsee it. You'll never, and you'll never explain it to anybody that didn't. And I'm not talking about combat here, though that actually, that certainly plays a role in it, especially for the last 20 years, right? I was in it at a different time in history. I was in from, from 1990 through 1993. Um, so there's a lot more people seeing combat and all, but like, you know, I spent six months in Honduras and, one of the most impoverished places on the planet. I hope it is, because if it's if there's much worse than that, God. You know, I've had people say things like, if times get really hard, I'll eat I'll eat food out of the garbage, and I'm like, dude, I've been to places where you that's not a thing. There's no such thing as food that goes in the garbage. That doesn't happen in a lot of the world. And what you're dealing with when that comes up in your mind, and you look at somebody whether it makes you feel sad or angry, that they don't respect what they have. What you have is, remember what I talked about, how like dealing with pain, you just pop some Motrin, you know? I guess today they drink energy drinks. Back when I was in, you drank two extra black coffees that morning and popped four, four 800 milligram Motrins and went on with your life. 
Well, that training now is in conflict with your natural empathy. You're now processing what you saw years ago. That hungry child. That kid covered in dust. Those people that were taking care of cattle, but the cattle looked like they were starving more than the people, and you wondered how they could even keep the cattle alive. That's for me personally. You're now processing that, and sometimes you're... Your computer's running that as a background process, and you don't know it. And then you see some kid that won't eat his freaking meatballs, which is totally normal for a kid, and you're angry. That's because your empathy for that thing in the past is in conflict with the training at the time and the reality in the present. And you're expecting this kid to understand a thing that there's no way he can possibly understand, and you would really actually hope for him that he never has to. That's a lot of conflict in one moment. And give in to your empathy. That is completely the opposite of what you were trained to do. You were trained to be tough, to be hard. But the natural state of the human has a great deal of empathy. And if we didn't, we wouldn't still be here. So give. that doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you won't still defend. It doesn't mean you won't still do anything that's necessary to keep yourself and the people you love safe and alive. You can be empathetic and still be hard. But when you're in conflict and nobody's life is on the line, give in to your empathy. In my experience, it will help a lot. Now, this one's true for everyone. Number eight is the best way you can help yourself is to do what I'm doing right now. One-on-one, small groups, organizations. Help others who are dealing with the shit that you're dealing with and help others who are dealing with worse shit than you. I do not equate myself to some of you guys that are in here right now that did multiple tours in the Middle East in the last few years and saw your buddies get blown up. Your problems are worse than mine. That doesn't mean I can't help you. And it doesn't mean that in helping you, I won't help myself. And it doesn't mean that there's not somebody out there that's that person to you. That that maybe even they didn't see as much, but we shouldn't judge a person because they're too empathetic. And a lot of times these people that look really hardcore, the thing that they saw, that maybe you saw too, hits them harder. That doesn't make them weaker. Because empathy is not a weakness. I'll say that again. Empathy is not a weakness. Help others. Get involved. I don't care if you just have a friend that you know that you can invite over and hang out and drink a couple of beers with. Get involved with an organization. Get involved in the VFW. Get involved and help. Help somebody figure out how to file their paperwork. You know, somebody that, that, that that's entitled to disability because they really were fucked up and they don't really know how to do it and they can't think and they just don't have like that organizational part of them is gone because it's this problem and this problem. And this problem. Sit down with them and help them get through it. It'll help you a lot. Nine. If you've fallen from your health as a soldier, reclaim it. You know, I said earlier, the eating habits that you develop are fine when you're getting up every freaking day and running mile after mile and doing push-ups and calisthenics. And when you fuck up, you literally have to do more exercise. That's the solution to your problem, right? And somebody's always making sure that you're not overweight and they're always giving you residual. Like you can get away with so much, but you develop that habit and then you come out and then like I either make you feel better or you don't feel bad or you don't care when you drink and then you're eat like you can fuck your body up. Trust me, I know. And a lot of people I talk to about this say, you know, when I get my, my, they realize their head's messed up. When I get my head right, 
then I can get my body right. Backwards men, backwards women. It's here you go. It's backwards, backwards thinking, right? Knife hand your ass, right? It really is. Your body is run by electrical and chemical reactions. If you're spiking your system with alcohol, you're spiking your system with insulin and sugar. If you're spiking your system with bad fuel, the mind cannot, will not run right. So reclaim it. And that's the beauty of that one is it doesn't require anybody else to do anything. It doesn't require anybody else to do shit. And no matter how many of these problems you have and how many of these problems you have that I haven't thought of, they will all get a, at least a little bit better. And sometimes you need things to get a little bit better so you can take them to the next level. So imagine you have this car, and it's like a piece of shit car. And it's got bald tires, and it's barely held together. And it's full of luggage. Like all you're, you're putting shit in it like you're overweighing the, the, the capacity the car would have on its best day. Well, first thing you do is jettison that freaking Anything you don't need, throw it out. And now even though it's got bald tires and it's a fucked up car, now you can go a little bit further down the road. And now that you can go a little bit further down the road, you can start figuring some things out. Maybe you can do a little bit better and eventually you can get some good tires to put on the car. And now the car really has traction. Maybe you can fix a few things and eventually you can trade the car in for a new car. But if you don't jettison the luggage, and that's what we're talking about here in this one, you, you, you need to jettison the luggage that you're carrying with poor health. Because it's exactly what it is. You've got more weight than a, you know, an F-350 can carry and you're trying to carry it with a freaking Yugo. Even though you're built like an F-350. Fix it. And no one can stop you from doing it but you. And you can. And it won't fix your problems. But it will put you on the path to where you can fix your problems. And number 10, don't. Judge yourself for how you feel, but be your own commander and hold your current standards to a high level in doing what you can control. And the reason I say, like, kind of temper that one, you know how a commander, a sergeant, whatever would be if you're just being mopey. Get your shit together and get moving. Like, there's a place for that, but not in dealing with this. You have to look at the things you can control and then motivate yourself to take action on them. How many of you guys remember like the first time you were told to get your gas mask on in eight seconds and you were like, what is this, a fucking rodeo? Like that can't be done. And a week later, 60 guys you didn't know in a platoon with you could do it like that. Why? Because somebody pushed you to do something you didn't think you could do, but there was no reason you couldn't. Just like disassembling that weapon and putting it back together, doing it blindfolded. It seems impossible. It's not. Millions of people have learned to do it. Not that hard at all. There's a thing that you can do, and then somebody pushes you to do it. Identify the things in your life you can do to make your life better and push yourself to do them. And then summing this all up. People ask me about military service today, and I'm, I'm very conflicted. I do not like what our military is doing in the world. I do not like what the people that command our military is having them do. And I do not like a lot of the shit that I've had to deal with in my life from that service. On the other hand, everything, you know, everything has a duality. And being a warrior has a duality. 
And I can't say for a minute that most of the good things in my life would be here had I not taken that path. There could be a lot of good in my life. There could be a lot of, a lot of bad in my life. That's an unknown. That's, you know, in the quantum where you make a decision and it goes this way and that way at the same time and those two universes both exist at the same time. I don't know what's in that other universe and I can't. We're not meant to. But I can tell you that there is a great deal of wonderful in my life due to my years of serving. I don't think I'd be the same man had I never jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. I don't think I'd be the same man if I didn't look at things and think there's no way this can be done. And in a day learned that it not only could be done, but I could do it. And part of it makes me like, I feel like we should have some sort of a program to help people do this without all the things that fuck you up in it. But I'm not even sure it can be done. And most of the things like that are just designed to funnel people into that system, which kind of negates the purpose. But since you already got to that point in the quantum universe and you're living in the side that made that decision. Take everything good from it. Make it matter. If you're sitting there thinking like I left this person behind who died and man, he really had a great life and it would have been better if it had been me than him. You don't, he made his choice and it split and you happen to be in that same split where that happened. You can't undo it. But you can make your life matter for that person. You can make that life, your life matter for everybody around you. None of this is easy. But there's kind of a famous saying. And I've, I've you know, left the Navy out a little bit, so some of you guys are really hardcore over there. I, the only de- easy day was yesterday. The only easy day was yesterday. That's a great way to live life. So it really is. And realize that again, we all have that dash I talk about. That dash and that story is from a captain that I served under when I was 19 years old. I would have that story to tell you about that experience. That dash shortens every day. Whatever of it you burned is gone. That's what makes it precious. Far more precious than gold. Going forward, live every day to make the most of it. And if you have to process shit, deal with shit, like there is no easy answer. There is no on-off switch. There is no pill you can take. There's things that help. Like people say, like CBD, maybe it helps. But it only helps with a piece. Building your life now, it's hard for everybody. I'll tell you something that maybe some of you will have a hard time accepting no matter how fucked up it was when it was going on. You have an advantage over every single person around you because they can listen to my words. They can hear my words. They can believe me when I say there are things that you think cannot be done that you can learn to do in a day and perfect in a week and teach like an expert in a month. They can hear that and they can believe they can believe that but they can't ever really know it. And you do. And because you do, you have a power that they will never have, that they can never have, because you did something they could never do. And even though some of it may have been bad, there's still good that comes from it. 
that's all I got today. That one went way longer than I expected, kind of reliving some things in my own life there. I appreciate you guys, and I'll be back tomorrow with another episode. All right, guys. Um, I think I'm going to just let that one go. I know I usually hang out with you guys, but that went almost 40 minutes. I got another podcast I got to get done today. And frankly, that's all I, that's all I got. I, I don't, I don't have any more at this point. Um, I appreciate all of you. Thanks for spending some time with me today. And, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with something a little lighter on the palette. Take care.